0: Om Namah Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Chapter twenty eight of becomes a woman in his next life. Text number thirty two Kascha prahitaam, Kascha prahitaam, Kupayame jitabatam, Payame kesham dilayuchit yasham dilha chutochata yasham dilavashu chutochata inma bahat jomani na
1: parchote
0: agasaha prag Yasam Dilachatojatam, Yasandirachat, Idnada Hadn Agastya, The Great Sage Agastya The Great Rak
1: First First
0: Tuhitaram Daughter Upaya married. Married. Jitabhatam taken to vows. Taken to vows, yashyam, yashyam, through whom. Through whom. Jitachutta named Jitachutta. Named Dadaha was born. Was born idva, idma named Idma Named Idma baha, Atmaja, son, the great sage. The great sage sage named Akasya married, firstborn daughter of Malayavaj. the avowed devotee of Lord Krishna. From her one son was born, whose name was Vrityutta. And from him another son was born, Whose name was Idnbavaha, by grace, A.C. The name Augusta Muni is very significant. Agastya Muni represents the mind. The word Augusta indicates that the senses do not act independently, and the word Muni means mind. The mind is the centre of all the senses and thus the senses cannot work independent of the mind. When the mind takes to the cult of bhakti, it engages in devotional service. The cult of bhakti, Bhakti Lata, is the first daughter of Mayan Raj and as previously described, her eyes are always on Krishna. Sittekshanam One cannot render bhakti to any demigod. Bhakti can be rendered only to Vishnu. Shravanam, Vishnu. Thinking the Absolute Truth to be without form, the Mayavadis say that the word bhakti can apply to any form of worship. If this were the case, a devotee could imagine any demigod or any godly form and worship it. This, however, is not the real fact. The real fact is that bhakti can be applied only to Lord Vishnu and his expansions. Therefore, Bhakti-lata is dhiddha-rata, the great vow. For when the mind is completely engaged in devotional service, the mind does not fall down. If one tries to advance by other means, karma yoga or jnana yoga, one will fall down. But if one is fixed in bhakti, he never falls down. Thus, from Bhakti Lata the son Duda is born and from Duda the next son Idmavaha is born. The word Idmavaha refers to one who carries wood for burning in a sacrifice when approaching a spiritual master. The point is that Bhakti Lata, the cold of devotion, fixes one in his spiritual position. One so fixed never comes down and he begets children who are strict followers of the Shastric injunctions, as said in the Vedas, In the line of devotional service, those who are initiated are strict followers of the Vedic injunctions. Again, So in this um, past finding uh, <coughs> Related by the Radhamani. This chapter here. King Paranjana or the uh, embodied living being representing all of us becomes a woman in his next life. Uh, Nothing wrong with becoming a woman but he probably wasn't expecting that. (laughs) So... um, uh, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, he may have been thinking he'd get a spiritual form or, or something, That uh, he again took birth, he's going to take birth again in, in an unexpected way than what he was thinking. Because his mind, uh, The <coughs> uh, here is discussing how we perform bhakti uh, by fixing the mind. Uh, Siddha Prabhupada explains that actually He explains this in the Bhagavad Gita the mind actually does the work. We actually work with our mind. And as uh, Vasudev explained to Kamsa, trying to convince Kamsa not to commit further atrocities, uh, killing the uh, children that would come from his wife Devaki. He was trying to convince him that, you know, it's your mental state. So, Kamsa was preaching to Vasadhyay, and Vasadhyay was preaching to Kamsa. Uh, And uh, he was saying that, you know, what you should really fear, Kamsa, is your mental state. Because that will produce your next body. And if you have all this envy and hatred, and that produces that type of body, uh, where you uh, take a low birth, uh, where such persons take Tamaguna, and uh, you suffer the reactions of, of such a mentality. So, uh, you know, and he was explaining that, uh, Vasudeva was explaining that what happens, we have a mental state, and we're actually working with our mind, and so we're given a body which literally, uh, they like instruments for the mind, but it's actually the mind working. So um, uh, here, Paranjana, uh, you know, this uh, here is describing that, uh, of course, uh, he can either fix his mind on the personality of Godhead and engage in bhakti yoga and work uh, with his purified mind uh, on the spiritual platform in devotional service, or otherwise uh, work with the mind and take a body and we get a set of instruments and nose and ears and a couple of nostrils, a couple of ears, we're lucky, mouth that, all the different uh, um, bells and whistles So, um, and, and uh, the mind uses those to work. So this uh, Augusta Looney uh, he represents the mind. Um, that's a very interesting point I was uh, uh, thinking about that this morning, because when when we do the when I do the mundan, uh, you there's three sages that you pray to. I always wonder why those three, why not others? there's Samadagni uh, uh, who's the father of the father of Parashara. Um, so whenever you use uh, scissors. Uh, then it comes under the, con- or, or any sharp instrument it comes under the control of those who use weapons very expertly for someone's benefit. So Jamadagni, who's the father of the person i it, Kashyapa, who is the father of, um, actually Kashyapa. We know that Krishna explained that. In a previous birth, he said when he was born, he said to David, this is the third time I've appeared to you. First as Suttapa and Krishna, and I appeared as the incarnation of the Lord Krishna Gawa. He, well, he appeared as Krishna, but in that form. Not fully revealing his full manifestation of Krishna, but it was Krishna as his partner Krishna Gava. And then, in the next uh, millennium later, he appeared as uh, Vamanadeva to Kashyapa and Deity. And uh, we understand from the scriptures that when um, Krishna appeared to Devaki and Vasudeva, the Kasyapa and the Deity were also able to uh, join in on their forms. And to, to whatever capacity they had, enjoy uh, those pastimes. So Kashapa is very important because he's not only uh, you know, the father of the demigods, along with the deity, uh, but he's also the father of the Supreme Personality of God in one sense, and that took part in that. And then Agastya, who represents the mind. Of course, uh, when you're doing any ceremony for children, especially coating their hair, you're praying that somehow the mind is protected, so, uh, in this way, uh, those representing Satva Guna and the mind, and the telling Siddha. I always wonder why those three, and when I was reading this, it sort of struck me, you know, Augusta, he represents the mind. So, um, in this way, so, you know, this, this is, uh, uh, you know, the mantras, uh, the, the Vedas, there's so much there, Uh, everything means something we don't always know why (laughs) it can take us 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of lifetime to find out but every single word is there for a particular purpose and of course here uh, what we're discussing uh, is that uh, in order to control the mind in order not to take an unexpected birth that we weren't wanting Uh, that will cause us a lot more trouble than what we're already in. But if we can control the mind to fix it on the personality of Godhead, then we will not fall down and take birth again. So, then we have to look at the Vedic conclusions. Who is God? So that's Some of these points are being mentioned here in this verse. Who is God? Anyone got any ideas? Shiva? (laughs) Shiva? Ganesh? Yeah, we could go around. We could do this for hours here. So, um, let's propose Krishna. (laughs) And we'll, we'll debate that. Okay. So, if you've got some arguments, hang on to them. Because I'm going to present something, if you disagree, and I'm open to discussion. Because I'm just presenting <coughs> um, what is being nicely presented by the Shruma Bhagavatam, by Shiva Prabhupada, and the Bhagavad Gita. So, let's take some uh, Vedic injunctions. So, uh, as it says at the very end of the purport here, that the point is that bhakti lata, the cult of devotion to Vishnu or Krishna, uh, fixes one in his spiritual position. One so fixed never comes down, and he begets children who are strict followers of the shastric injunctions. So uh, the um, those who can understand things as they are as strict followers of the uh, the Vedas. So in the Vedas, uh, just as we see in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is, uh, you know, that is uh, the Bhagavat Purana, which uh, of the 18, uh, you know, Puranas, six in Sattva, six in Rajas, four those in Rajas, six for those in Tamas, so the Bhagavad Purana uh, was revised uh, by uh, Shalavyasadeva on the order of uh, Narada Muni to make it very clear uh, that uh, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that Bhagavad Purana is, uh, is known as the Shrimad Bhagavatam. And uh, all the other Puranas also, there are many, many... Uh, different quotations, such such as in the Vishnu Purana, it says that prior to Krishna's birth, all of the demigods, all of the chief demigods, and their wives. So Brahma, Saraswati, the goddess of learning, and um, Shiva, Ganesh. Um, They used to regularly go, daily, along with the sages, Narada, Muni, perhaps Augustine. Um, They used to go there and offer prayers and worship Mother Dedekin because she was the mother of God. So this is, so people are worshipping, Shiva, Brahma, and this one and that one as Supreme, Maya, those personalities, those demigods, who are people who are worshiping as supreme, they went to worship Mother Deviki because within her womb is the supreme personality of God. So that makes them definitely uh, subordinate servants, uh, and so that is in the Vishnu Purana, and of course that the full expansion of that uh, pastime is, is, is placed in. The And they used to chant the uh, Purusha-Shukta. The Purusha-Shukta is worshipping the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So the Purusha-Shukta is one of the main uh, prayers that is chanted by Brahmanas in worship. And that prayer is a prayer by the demigods, including Brahma and Shiva, to the Personality of Godhead Vishnu. Not to Shiva, it's chanted by Shiva, by those demigods, to the person that they got here. Uh, but when they chant the Purusha-Shukta, they're, you know, they're trying to worship uh, you know, that uh, uh, Vishnu, Shiva, it is all one. But that doesn't make sense. You don't see Vishnu chanting the Vishnu Purusha to anyone. So, uh, they go to Chiridakshmi uh, Vishnu, who is the super soul uh, within everyone's heart, and he is also the supreme soul within the heart of all the demigods. Uh, again, uh, in every respect, we see that uh, the, um, they are dependent as, as Brahma when he came into the universe. Although he's the husband of uh, Sarasvati, the goddess of knowledge, uh, when he came into this uh, universe, he had to take shelter of Vishnu. Uh, And um, so, when they went to see uh, Lord Vishnu, Lord Vishnu, uh, they sat in meditation. Again, we see the uh, superiority of uh, Vishnu. And of course, in the Bhagavad Gita, we know that Krishna showed Arjuna his, the entire universe coming from him. And that is, you know, Vishnu is known that the, he is the source of the material manifestation with all its demigods. And Krishna showed the universe, the entire universal form coming from him, from his form as Krishna. And he also showed Arjuna his uh, forearm, Vishnu form. That that form is also coming from Krishna, and Krishna says very clearly throughout the Gita that, that Vishnu form, the super soul of all living entities, including the demigods, who is within every atom, the controller of time, who controls everyone, the controller of everyone's destiny, that person is Krishna. So that even so, Vishnu is uh, an expansion of Lord Narayan. And Lord Narayan expands from Krishna. Uh, This is stated in the Bhagavad Gita. So, although Vishnu is counted among the demigods because he performs the activities of uh, maintaining the material affairs, uh, so sometimes he is confused as one of the demigods but actually he appeared uh, before the uh, universal creation in the form of Maha-Vishnu. And then, after glancing at the material energy, before there are any material universes, so there are no demigods, there are no universes, the Vishnu is there, the expansion of the Orion, and he glances at the material energy, so he's the super soul of the whole material energy. And then he expands into each universe and appears as a, a super soul within each and every universe. And then he expands again as a super soul within the heart of every living entity within every atom. So that vision. So he appears to be uh, one of the demigods, as if he's uh, the Trinity. So if you ask any good Hindu, above everything, the Trinity. The Vishnu, Shiva, we must look after the Trinity. The Vishnu, Shiva, Brahma, was that, that is that is the uh, the absolute truth because the absolute truth isn't personal. You know uh, these uh, personalities, Brahma, the uh, manifestation uh, within the material world to look after the material mode of, you know, rajas, creation. Shiva manifested in this material world to look after the material mode of the tamas, and um, uh, Vishnu, the material mode of goodness, to look after maintenance. So they feel that Vishnu, because he's looking after uh, Satvaguna, or maintenance of creation, that he is like the other demigods, each one has one of the material modes in nature to look after. And then when Vishnu uh, comes into this world as an avatar so they know that all the avatars come then they appear as a mature mode of uh, goodness uh, such as Krishna and and Rama like this. But uh, ultimately uh, beyond the the, uh, manifestations of these uh, avatars and demigods uh, there is the unmanifested matter, and beyond that unmanifested matter, there is Brahman, that is their understanding. And yet, the Vedas give a completely different description that uh, even Sankracharya, who is the head of the impersonals, uh, he's the head of the entire impersonals, the uh, 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 Sampradaya, he says that Narayan, Krishna, is beyond, he is before even the unmanifested state of the material manifestation. Even their leader says that. He, you cannot say that he is a manifestation of the material energy and goodness because he existed before that, before the unmanifested state. Even he sees that. His commentaries on the Gita, So, uh, this um... now, Vishnu, even when all of the demigods, uh, you know, approached uh, Vishnu along with Bhumi, because five thousand years ago, before the appearance of Krishna, the world was overburdened by great demoniac kings and huge therefore massive uh, sinful reactions overburden the earth as well kings such as Kamsa Kamsa was such a powerful personality in his previous life as Kalanemi he fought with the demigods and even as Kamsa he fought with the demigods and they went running very, very powerful. Otherwise, why would the demigods, why why would Brahma, Shiva not just try to do something? So, all of the demigods, they understood that unless we go to Vishnu, there is nothing that we can do, combined or individually. So again, showing the superiority of Vishnu. And then, when they uh, went to Svetedvik, which is actually a Vaikuntha planet, a spiritual planet within this universe where uh, uh, Shri Lakshai Vishnu resides, they don't get to see Vishnu because he is so rare that even the demigods very rarely see him. So they sat in meditation and and Brahma prayed in meditation and he heard from within his heart uh, that uh, Lord Vishnu said that Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the full manifestation of Godhead, along with his ex- first expansion, again the full manifestation of Godhead, Balaram, would appear and along with their full potencies and uh, uh, protect the devotees, annihilate the miscreants and in this way uh, remove the discrepancies in ir- of irreligious principles and re-establish the principles of religion. So, ve- so uh, just Brahma heard that transcendental message. So, Vishnu, and, and these, these stories pervade all the Vedas. You know, the, the position of Vishnu at every step uh, is way above the demigods and, and described as completely transcendental. Uh, it's uh, uh, to say that they're equal, uh, actually, uh, therefore, in the Vedas, it is to describe what is an atheist. An atheist is one who doesn't accept the Vedic version that uh, Vishnu, the Vishnu Tattva, Vishnu, expansion, Narayan, Krishna, Vishnu Tattva, they are supreme, and to consider any of the demigods to be equal or greater than, uh, that person is considered an atheist. one who considers that the trinity of Vishnu, Brahma and Shiva that they're all all equal because of this impersonal foolish, that's actually an atheistic view because to to take that view you have to discount the Vedas Nastika and as soon as you discount the Vedas that is atheistic so 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 Krishna appeared along with Balaram. Now Balaram uh, is very significant uh, that Balaram uh, he appeared first. Balaram, Balaram uh, he he manifests the Pratashtva that by the grace of Balaram the personality of Godhead name, form, fame, pastimes to reveal, manifest. It's just like the sun. It's like Prakash or illumination. And the sun is present. We can see ourselves, we can see everyone else, we can know our duty, we can go about our business. Everything becomes illuminated. So Balaran, by his although he's a personality of Godhead, but he acts in such a very merciful way to manifest uh, fully uh, the personality of God here. And therefore he's the original guru. And he awards the spiritual strength by which we can achieve the supreme transcendental bliss. So he awards that spiritual s- strength. Um, without Balaram's uh, blessing, uh, and without taking that blessing, that Balaram reveals the personality of Godhead and the process of Bhakti Yoga, without taking that blessing, one cannot have any strength on the spiritual path and one will fall down. And therefore the spiritual master is the representative of Balaram and therefore one who follows the spiritual master gets spiritual strength. And that spiritual strength means one is able to engage in devotional service and taste that transcendental nectar and be protected from the commanders and chiefs of Maya. He has many agents to, um, you know, for those who do not follow the proper process, he smashes and keeps them. Uh, And therefore, we see this here that um, one so fixed never comes down and he begets children who are strict followers of the Shastra conjunctions as said in the Vedas. Then that uh, quotation etc. in the line of devotional service those were initiated as strict followers to the Vedic scriptural and judges. So that one who learns the Vedas from the Guru and follows them very strictly they get the spiritual strength and the, spiritual and the higher taste by which they can traverse the path of the spiritual life. So um, So as we said that the demigods when Krishna was in the womb of uh, Devaki they would come and offer prayers. So those prayers are very significant because those prayers exactly uh, you know, as we're describing here in this verse that um, uh, the cult of bhakti uh, Bhakti Lata, so the creeper of devotion uh, which we sow in the heart and that creeper of devotion expands and gradually goes all the way to the lotus feet of the Lord and then we attain uh, the uh, lotus feet of the Lord in the spiritual world. So this cult of Bhakti, Bhakti Lata, is the first order of Malaya Bahaj Uh, and her eyes are always upon Krishna. Not Shiva. Not connection. Not do that. Um, One cannot render bhakti to any demigod. Bhakti can be rendered only to Vishnu, Shravam Gita and Vishnu, thinking the absolute truth to be without form, The Mayavadis say that the word bhakti can apply to any form of worship. If this were the case, a devotee could imagine any demigod or any godly form and worship it. This, however, is not the real fact. The real fact is that bhakti can be applied only to Lord Vishnu and his expansions. Therefore bhakti-lata is dhrita the great vow, for when the mind is completely engaged in devotional service, the mind does not fall down. So the great vow this uh, uh, what's the name? Dhrita, Dhrita Yeah. Uh, that uh, one takes this vow that I will take to the process of bhakti and that means with full faith and conviction and exclusive devotion I would just worship the Vishnu Tattva who uh, Vishnu Tattva uh, uh, as Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita uh, all the forms of Vishnu Tattva emanate expansions from him. So I would just worship Krishna the source uh, of all Vishnu Tattva forms. That is the great vow. If that vow is not taken one cannot perform bhakti. Now bhakti means loving devotion as a saying. I'm not sure where it comes from but it says that one who worships many many gods worships no god so for instance if the husband says to his wife I love you and the lady down the road <laughs> there's another one around the corner I love her too <laughs> and there was some more I don't know <laughs> so where's the love for anyone isn't it? that's actually you know there's a common thing Amongst the uh, non devotees, for want of a better term, that when they cheat on their partner, engage in illicit sex, they say, But there was nothing in my heart for that person. That's the excuse. I only love you. And the partner says, Well, (laughs) <laughs> Very common. <laughs> so, this great vow. So, marriage. You know, marriage they take a vow. Uh, that's that's what the red the red dot on the forehead. Every time, every morning, the, the you know the wife puts on the bindi or the red dot. And she remembers that on the day of our wedding, my husband gave his heart exclusively to me. That is what that red dot me. So bhakti, uh, bhakti is like... Now of course, you know, one of the inter- interesting things is that um, if we follow many... If you look at the pros and cons, obviously you don't have to love anyone exclusively. You can shop about for the best bargain, and the best opportunities. Something's not going right, just move on to the next one. Um, And therefore you don't have to really uh, follow any real scripture. So one way to follow the scripture, people like Kamsa, who's preaching to us today as he's, you know, killing his children. Uh, so it's not my fault. Everyone knows about by providence. We're all going to have to separate. So don't blame me. It's providence. So, um, what they do is, you just take a little bit of this, a little bit from the scripture here, a little bit from there, a little bit from here, you mix it up, basically and do whatever you like. So, if they, you, know, you take a little bit of this it means yes that's in the scripture and someone says um, oh but it also says that the scripture did oh no no but we don't follow all of that we have our other scriptures so really you don't follow anything so did uh, bratha so, so where's the bhakti you know, it's like a, an unchanged husband you know, here there and around and that uh, Doing as they please, only excused. Really, yeah, it's just uh, no, very unsafe. So, there's no, there's no question of love, uh, there's no question of bhakti. So, bhakti uh, can only be when the soul reposes exclusively the love of the soul in the one supreme soul. And that is bhakti. It is eternal, an eternal loving relationship um, between the soul and the supreme soul. And the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains in the fourth chapter of the Gita, that he came to you know, teach this science of the ancient relationship between the soul and the supreme soul, the spiritual science. And the science of bhakti. So, um, the demigods... Uh, they um, they prayed to Krishna, and um, in their prayers, many di- the different points that they had were validating Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead, uh, and that one should not think He is impersonal, and thus make the mistake of worshipping Him as you know a manifestation of material goodness along with many other demigods, one should not. If one hears that teaching, just as we're hearing now, those prayers are so auspicious that they fulfil your desires just by hearing this philosophy. The same philosophy which was heard uh, by David by all the demigods, we hear, we hear that same philosophy. It fulfills one's desires. Very spiritual. It's full of spiritual potency. And um, so, you know, they they described that. Uh, first of all, of course, they said that uh, to Mother here that a uh, Christian is always true to his vow. So, as you know, Brahma heard that the supreme personality of Godhead would appear, they understood now he's appearing. And they knew what his purpose was, to protect the devotees, they're very, very clear. Satyam Param, the Supreme Absolute Truth. Now in the prayers of the demigods, they go to a lot of trouble to describe, I'll just summarize it, that everything emanates from Krishna. So the demigods describe that this material world uh, can be uh, you know, represented like a tree. So the tree stands on the ground. The ground is like the material energy, the total material energy. The, the material manifestation, this whole, everything we see with the material world is resting upon an energy that was originally in an unmanifest state, and then from that it grows. So that ground represents the material energy. The tree has three roots. Those three roots are rajaguna, tamaguna, satvaguna. And as you can see, that look as we see in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, this material energy, that is my material energy, it comes from me, I maintain it, and it comes back to me in the form of pradhan, a slightly spiritualized version of material energy. And uh, therefore, the material energy is there, but the cause of that uh, it, it may be the cause of the material manifestation, but what is the cause of material energy? That is Vishnu, and that from those uh, that tree you uh, get uh, the th- three roots, and then you get the on that tree there are two birds sitting. One is the super soul Vishnu, one is the individual soul. The individual soul is tasting two types of fruits: happiness and distress. Mm-hmm. Two types of fruits. Those fruits have a variety of four tastes. Religion, economic development, sense gratification and liberation. Because even liberation, people's concept of liberation, it is all, unless one understands the Supreme Personality of Godhead and an eternal relationship with him, then that uh, liberation is still covered by some degree of uh, it, you know, impure knowledge, impure intelligence. Uh, that's affecting me. So um, now, then, the demigods explain that uh, the personality of Godhead appears, and when He appears, all the speculation as who is the supreme, you know. And, and everything is one. and We can become all the speculation about the absolute truth is just smashed. And the factual big yarn of realized knowledge, coming from personalities like Brahma and uh, and Shiva, who also in the uh, scriptures uh, tells Parvati that uh, you know amongst all the demigods, Vishnu is supreme. Um, uh, those. Uh, <coughs> The personality of Godhead, He reveals the nature of the absolute truth. So that is established, and by revealing the nature of the absolute truth, everything else is smashed to pieces. And many sages therefore meditate upon the lotus feet of Krishna, knowing Him to be the personality of Godhead. And by doing that, they have. Uh, it is described that apart from all the very, very difficult processes to try and attain liberation, which ultimately end in failure, just by meditating upon the lotus feet of the Lord, here is God, here is Krishna, or he may have expanded in the form of Ram, or this avatar, or that avatar, but it's the same Supreme Person, I've got it. There is lotus feet. If I can fix my mind upon those lotus feet in devotion, Uh, I will not take birth again in any body, any material body, but I will actually attain uh, the the spiritual world. And therefore, it is described that when one meditates, uh, the demigods are saying to Davideki, the Lord is so kind that when one meditates upon the lotus feet of the Lord, the entire material existence shrinks to the size of the little bit of water contained in the hoof print of a calf and one just steps over it. And because, so the, the, the Lord's lotus feet, they're the boat to cross the ocean and material existence very easily, but the process is so nice that the, that the boat, you know, they take the boat but the boat's all, is still on the other side for others. Because they just step over. They can leave the boat, it is the boat, and the still stays there. <laughs> such a, uh, a spiritual potency of Krishna. So uh, now but the impersonals, those who anyone who cannot accept that God is a person and that he is completely spiritual uh, and that he can come down with his two hands holding his flute, beautifully dressed with his peacock feather and he can walk among us like he was one of the humans, although he's the supreme person I've got it, if one cannot, the same as Lord Ramachandra, if one cannot keep that faith in the Lord's lotus feet, then for them, even if they, after many, many lifetimes, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, Perhaps millions on the path of spirituality. That's, you know, this is after they get into the human form. If they attain liberation, they cannot maintain that because there's no spiritual activity. You know, they they come to the point, yes, now I'm liberated. What to do for the next billion, billion years. Of eternal life, I just be here doing nothing. Or I don't have a form anymore. Can't Can't talk to anyone. Nothing to think about. Nothing to see. They fall down. Again. And so, after all that effort, now you know, it, you know, these gurus and yogis, it's a lot of difficulty, a lot of hysteria, many, many lifetimes. And all they do is the trouble to get there and then fall and really there's no gain. Just the trouble that they've undertaken, that's the only thing that they'll get out of it. Just that trouble. So much difficulty. So, Krishna, but the sages, they understand. That this personality of Godhead, he had nothing to do with the material energy. If you think of his pastimes, if you think of his uh, form, if you say his name, it's non different from the, him because he's the, he is the absolute truth. It's absolute. You know, if you, if you want to eat a mango in the material world, you know, and you don't have a mango, you say mango, 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 you'll go hungry. I was asking a devotee the other day. Some of you may know. If in your dreams you eat a mango, you know, you know, when you wake up you're still not feel satisfied, right? Because your your stomach will be empty, but you're probably because you're hungry, you know, you sort of of dream. But if you have some prashadam in your dreams, will you be satisfied? I him, so it's
1: like just a quarter
0: in the <laughs> Yeah? It's a fact. Actually, one time, <laughs> one time, uh, Prabhupada, you know, a, devotee, uh, a devotee asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, how do we think of the Lord 24 hours a day? It just seems so difficult. <laughs> Prabhupada says if you practice during the day, then even when you're sleeping, you think of Krishna. And he gave this example. He said that sometimes when I'm dreaming, I'm eating halva (laughs) in a dream, and and I'm eating and eating a long time. It's so nice. So, Prabhupada is feeling this uh, spiritual bliss uh, in his dreams. Yeah. But the interesting thing there is that Prabhupada says, you know, when you're thinking of Halba, you're actually thinking of Krishna. Mm-hmm. Huh? Because it's absolute. That's, that's the thing I found fascinating about that. And um, I was telling the devotees the other day, I, I actually had, you know, just a, um, an experience when I was um, in Tasmania that um, there's a Brahmachari, probably somewhere in his 80s and early uh, 80s. I went to Tasmania with the party. I think it may have eaten any and um, maybe one or two other devotees. And um, I got really sick. I was so sick. Uh, in my teens and twenties, uh, I, I used to get uh, ill a lot more and uh, quite quite serious illnesses. But, uh, you know, massive headache, um, you know, the glands, uh, just it's like, a, like people sticking knives, and, you know, it's like it feels like your head's going to explode, pain, pain right through the chest and the whole body, fever, very, very painful, absolute agony, and it just lasts for days, there's no, and of course in those days, I, um, we didn't go to the doctors, you know, if you're on Yeah. <laughs> Was that? Yeah. So we just, you know, you just sort of toughed it out, and um, if you were fortunate, it didn't happen a lot. Especially if it's Saint John devotees, you might get a day off. But usually, quite often, you just went out there. Anyway, after a couple of days, when I went to bed, because this is Tasmania and it was pretty cold. From memory, it was late winter. In those days, we didn't have jackets and all those sort of things. You had your, you know, your set of clothes you know, if you're lucky a thin jump a wrap, usually a wrap they don't really supply blankets and things like that so it might might be seated, it was very very cold, I was freezing and I was really ill so in my dream um, my spiritual master came in held a a glass, like a, a, a jar, with some maha sweets and he opened it up and said, Gungi, take one of these. And uh, so I dipped my hand in, I ate one of these sweets. And, I thinking, that's, and I, you know, it was so nice, I just my hand just went straight back in like that. But he put the lid on. He said, that's all you need. And then he disappeared. So when I woke up, although I was just as sick, I was literally lying there like in a blissful, you know. So I had no sensation of any pain in my entire body, although the fever was there, the gland, everything was the same. I knew I was just as sick, but I had no sensation. I was lying there laughing and laughing and laughing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so the devotees know, you know. Uh, I mean. Uh, you know, just a very simple example. Because when I became a Hare Krishna devotee, you know, I was literally like a, you know, the personification of bad habits just walking around. You know, <laughs> and I couldn't give up anything. The Drita you know, <laughs> my vow was to, you know, enjoy unlimited sense gratification. like Kamsa. and that was my vow, and um, basically. For years I struggled with my mind and my senses and then the day I joined it, I stopped every vice I had and used to eat mountains of bishada and I mean mountains I won't get into the detail. But then I kept waiting for these, you know, when you give up you no know, cigarettes. I mean right to the day I joined I was doing smoking dreams and uh, I kept thinking I'm going to get some withdrawals you know like you're craving something you've just given up yesterday nothing it never ever came I was doing something stop eating Vishal that's it habits gone craving gone everything I always understood this Krishna Vishal that's Krishna So the de- you know the devotees they understand Krishna is the absolute truth. Anything related to Krishna, including service to Krishna, Prabhupada says service to Krishna and association with the devotees is tantamount to, to being in the association of Krishna. So then, so Krishna appears and the devotees they absorb themselves in Krishna. But then he's so kind that for all those which is common people with no spiritual interests or what have you, for them uh, he arranged this uh, pastime with the Mahabharata with the beautiful stories, you know, politics, there's war, there's intrigue, there's romance, everything is there. And because Krishna is the central character, Prabhupada describes in the Krishna book that if one Hears that Mahabharat, and they're just ordinary people. They will be elevated to the liberated platform of the pure devotees of the Lord. So, um, anyway, so this um, so this is Bhakti Lata, which means uh, Bhakti Lata cult. It is a, a vow strictly worshipping Vishnu Thakur. Krishna, the source of all uh, expansions of vishnu Tattva. Uh, not worshipping a demigod as equal to Vishnu, not worshipping Krishna as an ordinary person or a material person, but worshipping Krishna as the Absolute Truth, the source of all material and, and spiritual manifestations who even walked in this world uh, in a two-armed form like an ordinary human being and appeared among us that person is the absolute truth, the source of everything, and there is no one higher than him. One who has that understanding can perform bhakti. Otherwise, as you know I see many times within especially within Hinduism, is that you know there's bhakti for you know Kali and there's bhakti for Ganesh and bhakti. That's not bhakti. You can't use bhakti actually. Okay. Uh, and any comments or questions? Or no? We shut that one. Now, in this translation, it's the Agastya Munis mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, as we understand it as story flowing, it's it's more of a allegorical flow, is it? Yes some the the grandsons have mentioned of the Agustimuni, and then Brandon, just try to... Is it now and now really going to actual, or is it
1: going to Well... Uh, yes,
0: you know, whether the, the actual sage, Moone, uh had a relationship with this... Um, uh, firstborn daughter Malayabhaj and then had a son you know? uh, so from what I understand it is an allegorical story uh, but as I was explaining with the uh, ceremonies uh, with the um, you know even for the hair cutting that samskara purification where we get the blessings of uh, the Lord for the little babies Um, Whenever we uh, connect with Krishna in devotion, we understand that the particular demigods in charge of all the aspects of our body, that we have now a properly established relationship with them. so anyone who follows the bhakti cult Augusta muni who is one of the demigods that can you know award that um, fixed state of mind we have his blessings automatically so it's not you know the actual person so um, you know and and you know we are the um, so in this way, uh, al- although uh, it is allegorical, but uh, Agastya can be, you know, it can be understood that uh, he is in the picture, uh, you know, as are all the all the demigods. Uh, when when one uh, worships uh, the personality of Godhead, um, because uh, you know, it's stated. By Krishna, that uh, um, you know all the cows, uh, you know, and the demigods. In one sense, they are you know they act like limbs of the Lord. Uh, you know, they, they act like limbs. They're not actually limbs, but they act like limbs of the Lord. And the devotees themselves are like the Lord's heart. You know, they rep- represent the innermost thoughts uh, you know, of the Lord's heart and His knowledge. Um, so when our relationship is there with Krishna, our relationship with such personalities of Augusta Muni is properly fixed, and the benefit that we derive from such sages, persons we derive from such sages, that is automatically there, but even far, far above that. Um, there are many other personalities, as described in the Christian book here in this second chapter, who are commanders in chiefs who present stumbling blocks for the mind. Um, and <clears throat> if one is uh, not properly situated on the transcendental path, uh, those personalities will can affect them. But if one is properly situated on the path, uh, the personalities who can assist us assist us. So you know our, our you know this body, although you know we're we're directly. Uh, being directly uh, from the very beginning when one surrenders to Krishna yes Krishna you are the absolute truth I surrender unto you only Prabhupada mentions in the preface of the Chaitanya charitamrita that from the very beginning uh, one becomes directly under the charge of Krishna and that means that all the demigods assist now, just like Devaki so when Devaki was uh, you know uh, fearful of Kamsa, Kamsa represents, uh, you know, that material influence which wants to prevent the absolute truth from manifesting. So, friends, and, and that can be all sorts of philosophies, Hinduism, impersonisms, you know, so many, so many different things that want to cover. Krishna as the absolute truth and disturb the mind, to keep it enclosed like David could put in the the prison so what did the demigods do and this is an example, is they, they personally came to her and invisibly appeared to her and spoke so many things to alleviate her mind that she wouldn't be that yes, the absolute truth is here and all the demigods are assisting me to be peaceful and just, uh, you know. So, uh, as you can see there, how the demigods are very happy to whatever they can do to assist a devotee, they will do that. And um, because when we accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, we basically declare war upon Maya and all the agents of Maya, commanders-in-chief of Maya, and they will want to suppress this concept of... Uh, Vishnu as the supreme, and as Kamsa did in this world, people because they think that Kamsa, uh, Vishnu exists within the heart of a devotee as like a concept. So therefore, then why are they not worshipping me, Kamsa? Oh, they're worshipping Vishnu. I have got to get that out of the heart. It's just material. It's not, you know. Some, some concept in the heart. Okay, we'll stop them from performing their ceremonies. We'll we'll will we'll kill the cows that they've got. Uh, you know, uh, we'll smash their temples. And when that's done, this will go from their heart. Everything finished. Like did. So this, uh, uh, you know, so basically, uh, those elements within this universe, including those that sometimes battle with the demigods, and those in this in this world, they are trying to suppress that devotion to the Absolute Truth. But when one becomes a devotee of Krishna, all the actual powerful demigods assist the devotee in whatever way. Maya Devi, from which all the demigods are manifest, uh, she becomes a friend and, and helps the devotee on the path of devotional service. Mm. So, you know, the relationship is actually there properly. Yeah. Although, in the story, the marriage is allegorical. Mm. Any other questions? What's okay. that? Mean Bhakti means love. Bhakti, yes. That means uh... pure love. Bhakti means pure love. Yeah, and pure love only exists between the living entity and God. Yes. So when I think it is a part of the of God mm-hmm. so we can love all the Yes. So um Prabhupada explains in the preface and in introduction to the Krishna book mm-hmm. that by reading the Krishna book and learning how to love Krishna it facilitates our ability to love all living entities. If we don't love the Supreme Lord, it's not possible to love all living entities. It can't be done separately. But if we love Krishna, because every every living entity is uh, the child of Krishna, the spiritual eternal spirit, we love them, uh, and, and so. You know, like Jesus said, hate the sin, not the sinner. You know, we're not against anyone—not um, the jag eyes and mud eyes, uh, anyone. Uh, but but uh, if you love Krishna, you will love everyone. Yeah, otherwise, it's not possible. <coughs> yeah. Okay, Jaya. Pop out key,